Welcome everyone to the Waypoint Church What's the Point podcast. I'm Pastor Lawrence, and today I'm joined by some amazing guests. So I'm Pastor Eric Weiner, and I'm Pastor Danny, and I'm Erica Castiglione. So I'm so glad to have all of you guys here today. Uh, we've got this fun little episode that we're going to have. A couple weeks back, uh, Waypoint Church had to do a pre-recorded worship service because of the weather, and I preached in front of a bookcase. The most common feedback I heard from this sermon was that people were obsessed with trying to figure out what books I had in that bookcase. They were trying to figure it out, they were trying to pause it and look at the books and read it. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint all of you that were doing this. It wasn't my bookcase. Sorry about that, guys. So you, you hadn't read any of those books. These were not my books. I might have read them. I don't even know what books were on there. <laughs> it was actually our children's director's Megan's bookcase. We filmed there because she had a setup for all of her children's videos already. So it was she knew where the lighting and how it all worked out. So we decided to film in front of her bookcase. She had to make Pastor Lawrence look really good, yeah, right? It takes yeah. a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> Um, but that's where we filmed, so the, I got to thinking, oh, well, people really actually wanted to know what books are on my bookcase. So I thought, what a good, fun idea to start off this conversation today with, what are you guys reading, and why? So what's on your bookcase, what are some of your favorite books on your bookshelf, and why? So you're, you're not even going to start to answer the question? You're... I like the mystery. Okay, <laughs> I'm just going to let it linger. Um, so I'll, I'll throw out a couple of books. Uh, so these are some of these are, are more recent books, but just books books I've been reading recently that I've, I've really enjoyed. So uh, one is definitely Gentle and Lowly: The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. I feel like I've I've kind of beat a dead horse on that one, so I'll I'll kind of leave it as it is. It's a good one to beat. That's a good one. Um, another one is uh, Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. So these are these are just twelve questions. That's a good so one. This is uh, some would say that Rebecca McLaughlin's doing. Uh, what reason for God did in, in that day uh, for this generation is just answering all these ethical questions, all these eth- hard ethical dilemmas that, that face the church today that, that people have questions about. So it's, it's more of an apologetic book. Um, another book that has been really great is uh, Reading While Black. So this is, uh, this is like going on a whole, whole different level of just thinking for me that, that's been really beneficial of, of seeing uh, even, even like seeing different churches or different traditions um, or even different communities, like seeing the churches as different uh, Bible reading communities. And so there, there being a, a social location for understanding and even like uh, being really invested in, in different texts and, and needing those to, uh, to come out to really invest in and, and really understand the, the fuller picture of, of what God's Word's doing uh, that, I, that I found really, really beneficial. Um, and then I'll go, last one is uh, Chronicle of Narnia series. Can't go wrong, C.S. Lewis. Yeah, so on our bookshelf, um, some of my favorites are classics that I go back to over and over again. They're kind of my comfort books. Uh, Little Women, Jane Eyre, To Kill a Mockingbird, Pride and Prejudice, and a lot of children's books that I read aloud with my kids are really special to me. The Narnia series, Trumpet of the Swan, Anne of Green Gables series. And uh, my favorite fiction book is called Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. Um, and I'll also go back to that one. It's just really beautifully written. Um, on my bedside table right now, the books that I'm reading are mostly for a class I'm taking on spiritual formation. And um, I just reread Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller and one called The Spiritual Practices of Jesus, which looks at simplicity and humility and prayer. Um, through the Gospel of Luke and Jesus practicing, so that's been good. Yeah, I, I read a lot. I'm energized by books. Um, as far as just right now, the two books that I'm most vested in is the go- or three books: the Gospel, the book that we're reading for the men's study. I'm just trying to like dig deep into that one, Ray Ortland, and then Color of Compromise and uh, Jesus and the Disinherited. Those are two books that I've just, just kind of wanted to. Color Compromise is a newer book, just about the history of the American church and its attitude toward African-Americans. It's a great book. I already knew a lot of it, but just reading it and hearing it over again just pierces your heart and it makes us think. And he, actually Jamar Tisby, the guy who wrote that, wrote a follow-up book, like How to Fight Racism. I'm looking forward to reading that one. Uh, as far as so that's kind of what's on my bookshelf right now as far as like my classic books I love C.S. Lewis Tim Keller John Stott Leslie Newbegin N.T. Wright 
There's a book called On Being a Servant of God by Warren Worsby. He wrote it after being a pastor for about 50 years. And it just I just go back to that one about maybe once every two years or so. Uh, I also like some of the older Philip Yancey classics, like The Jesus I Never Knew and What's So Amazing About Grace. Those books really impacted me as a young Christian. Another book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. I haven't read it in like 20 years, but when I was Simbala. when I was a young Christian and just, just kind of figuring things out, I realized the importance of prayer. The guy like didn't go to seminary, didn't really know much. He's just like, we're just going to build our church around the prayer ministry. And it was cool to see God really bless it. Um, there's a book called Devotional Classics by that Richard Foster put together just a lot of different pieces of church history from different traditions that's meant a lot to me. And I love commentaries. I, I read commentaries because that's how I learn about, you know, different books of the Bible, and I love church history. So if you ever want any recommendations for commentaries or church history, um, you know, I've, I've got a ton. As far as fiction, I'm, I try to read, like, one classic fiction book a year. So my of all the ones I've read, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is still my favorite. I read that multiple <laughs> times as a kid. The Lord of the Rings, actually, Derek and I are going back and listening to it uh, recently it's it's good we have it on tape or not tape anymore on mp do you have it on tape? we have it on it we have it on we have it on mp3 or just we have it on the audible app on my phone so and then i really liked les mis when i read that and crime and punishment so i've tried to read you know about one classic every year year and a half and of the ones that i've read those those two have been my favorites so if you guys need book recommendations, those are just a bunch of wonderful books that everybody just recommended and um, very powerful books. How about you, Pastor Lawrence? You oh, got wow. Any? So the fun thing about when I think of bookshelf, most of my books now are on the Kindle. So almost like any fiction book that I read is on my Kindle because I just got tired of carrying around books every time I moved anywhere. And a lot of commentaries and those kind of books are on my Logos. So actually my bookshelf is mainly old books. Nowadays. Any any fictional books about uh, warriors riding on unicorns, riding on dinosaurs, or stuff like that? Oh, that's all my books. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like, I always told everybody, my guilty pleasure. I love good sci-fi. I love good fantasy. I love world building. So I've been reading uh, fiction-wise. I read a Sanderson series who wrote something called um, the Stormlight Chronicles. So that's a fun series of kind of massive world building that this guy did. Um, that was a big. I'm such a I'm such a fan of that. Um, Lord of the Rings is just has always been always will be it's a classic trilogy that I always go back to. That's like to me that's I think that was the, almost the start of this truly fantasy world building genre. I think Tolkien created that and he did it in such a beautiful way. Um, so fantasy that's my like go to at night. Um, you know when I need to go to bed, I I love reading fiction right before I go to sleep. So that's my one of my favorite things to do. Um, I actually just bought um, How to Fight Racism by Jamar Tisby for Pastor Eric and Danny and I. And so we, I just started that. They, they already had so many other books. So I just started that one just recently. And that, that's, that's, that's incredible. And it's been wonderful. Um, the Hills to Die On. What Hills to Die On? What was that book? Uh, yeah. By... Um, yeah, Gavin. Gavin, Gavin, Gavin Ortland. Ortland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so another Ortland family book that I was recommended here. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not uh, paying us endorsement or anything. Um, yeah, so those are some of the books I've been looking at. And when I think when I think about books, I think about authors or even heroes in the books as people we look up to. You know, I think about the authors of these like nonfiction books. These are, these are people who I'm like, man, Tim Keller, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien. These are people I look up to. These are my kind of hero of faith to me. Or uh, I think about even characters in books, in fiction books. I look at Aragorn, you mm. know. Samwise, Sam. Samwise. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves Samwise, right? <laughs> and so I look at these people as heroes of the faith, for, uh, heroes for me. Who are some of your heroes? Who are some of the heroes that you've looked up to, that heroes of the faith and people you admire or look up to? All right. Well, um, I mean, some of the authors I listed are heroes for me, C.S. Lewis and Marilyn Robinson, using their gifts to serve others and do it with excellence. Um, Corrie ten Boom is one of my heroes. Her book, The Hiding Place, had a big impact on me. She was um, a wat- part of a watchmaking family in Amsterdam during World War II, and they hid Jews in their house, um, and they were original. I mean, they were eventually discovered and she went to a concentration camp. Um, by God's grace, uh, her sister and her ended up in the same camp and they smuggled in a Bible and they were able to share with a bunch of people. Um, sadly, her sister um, died in the camp. Uh, Corey eventually made it out and the rest of her family found out that the rest of her family had all passed away. 
Um, but then she served people who had, sur- had were camp survivors, and then she continued to uh, share her story of God's faithfulness um, and how it's touched generations. So I think people who experience trials and still trust in God, um, that's really important for me, and people um, who are willing to sacrifice for others. Um, Johnny Erickson Tata is another one, and she kind of fits that same category. Um, I actually read her book when I was younger, too, Johnny. It was her story of when she was 18, she was in a diving accident, and she became um, a quadriplegic. She's, like, paralyzed from the neck down and obviously was very depressed, but was also in a time that God really transformed her life, and she's now... 71, I think, and she's lived all of these years with her disability, giving glory to God, helping other people. Um, you can Google her an interview that she has with, um, what's the man who just passed away who used to interview people? Larry uh, King. Larry King. And uh, she tells her testimony on Larry King, and it's really, really powerful. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and then recently I've learned more about Ruby Bridges. Like, I had you know, heard about her in school when we studied the civil rights movement, but I didn't realize like what a role her faith played in her life. Um, So you've probably heard of her when she was six. She was the only um, black child who integrated a school in New Orleans. And um, I think of her parents too, they said they struggled with the decision to send her through prayer and counsel. They decided it was worth it because someone had to be the first. Um, but it ended up that she was the only person who went to school that whole year. There was one teacher who was willing to teach her, and she had to be escorted by police um, back and forth to school, and people you know, yelled slurs at her, all sorts of things. Um, but she talks now about when she looks back on that time, she's not bitter because she knew her mother told her, God's always with you before and behind you. And she's now had the power to forgive the people who were so hateful to her and use that story in her life. So, yeah, just that one. Okay, those are great. Yeah. <laughs> all, all these people are going to be, we're going to put all this information in the show notes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. Um, yeah, so so a few a few people that came to mind for me, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily... I don't know. I'm not always thinking in terms of like who's who's my hero. Like who who are the people that um, that I'm like looking up to or, or aspire to be. But there there definitely have been people in in just interactions, readings, things like that that have really inspired me um, as I've as I've been growing up, as I've as I've stepped into different roles or responsibilities or um, and some of these some of these people are people that have that I've actually gotten to know and encounter in my life that have have been just incredibly formative and in, and sh- in, in shaping who I am that you uh, when, when people interact with me today that you're you're getting a glimpse of some of those people who, who uh, in, in in my story in my, in my past who have uh, been a part of shaping who I am and, and um, being a part of spurring me on to to know the Lord and to walk in him and, and what that means in, in my life and at this time and um, but when I look at look at some of these people of, of the past, uh, who, who they, they, they almost seem like larger than life. Some, some of the people that come to mind are, are somebody like a, like a William Wilberforce um, who helped to, to uh, end slavery in, uh, in the UK. And, um, and even, even how that was, that was literally a, a lifetime pursuit for him. That, that, that like, I, think, I think some of that, the, um, you know, he, was, he served on parliament for, for like had a career in parliament and I think saw, saw some of these laws passed days before he died. Um, so, so to see him give his life to, to something like that, maybe, maybe Danny will have, has more hit, being the history buff that he is. Maybe he knows more of that than I do, but no, you're pretty, you're pretty close. Yeah. That's I mean, right. it's like I mean in, you're, in, you're on track, in, you're on in track. The ballpark, but I was just yeah, like, yeah. it's pretty amazing. But, but somebody in particular that, um, that's been very inspiring and, and, and a hero of, of sorts to me is, uh, is Charles Spurgeon. Um, so actually, I don't even remember the class in, in seminary that we were assigned to read um, letters to to my students, and uh, and because I, I mean I was a I was doing counseling like that was that was my trajectory that's that's what my studies were primarily in, and one of the classes just kind of randomly had this assignment of of reading this book and and um, and just really I think 
that that was the first book that really started to open up my 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 eyes my heart to to the possibility of of pastoral ministry it just gave me like a, a desire and a, and a passion for it and it's not even it's not even you know Spurgeon is is referred to as the the prince of preachers um, it's not even his preaching ministry that that's like what I found to be so so moving so powerful I think um, I think so, some of the things in that uh, in in his lectures to students that that are like you know kind of kind of that, that I really enjoyed about it one, one is just like his sense of humor that he's he seemed like very down-to-earth very uh, very real to life I mean he's just like an enjoy like jolly person to be around um, so one, one of the things that he, he'd tell his students um, he, or you know even scholars would say he liked to tell the story of uh, when he was a young preacher he uh, he was in, in the church that he was serving at he he went and spoke to some of the deacons in his church because he felt like the church was too stuffy and he wanted them to, to open up some of the, the window panes in the church to, to let, let some more air in and got no response. Nobody did anything. And so uh, he, so somebody at, at some point ended up busting the windows open in the church. And then he put out uh, uh, like a five pound reward for anybody who found that person so that they could give, he could give them the five pounds, which he himself collected because he did it himself. And so he just, he had that kind of sense of humor, that kind of jo- like jovial kind of person, just um, the way they, the, the way they went about things. But then, but then also um, I was, I was looking for, uh, as we were, I knew we were going to be talking about heroes. I'd come across this, uh, this little tidbit about him. Uh, it was just the amount of work that he put in, but, but like the care that he had for, for the people that he was serving. So here, this is from, uh, from his autobiography one, one, um, about him. Um, he said, I, I have to look after the orphanage, have charge of a church with 4,000 members. Sometimes there are marriages and burials to be undertaken. There's the weekly sermon to be revised, the sword and the trial to be edited. And besides all that, a weekly average of 500 letters to be answered. This, however, is only half of my duty. And so, so just the fact that, like, like he, would, he would write to everybody who, who wrote to him. Like he, there's nobody, there's nobody outside of his purview that he wasn't willing to, to like be a pastor to, to, to like reach out, to connect with, like he, he wanted to make himself accessible, available to, to his people, to, to minister to them, to love, love the community around him. Um, so it wasn't like, because he had this great preaching ministry that he was larger than life or was just trying to be this, this personality that was, um, that was inaccessible. And I think, I think that was really powerful for me to, to like see that. And then on top of that, he, he went through, he suffered a lot. I mean, uh, he was probably, we'd probably say today, if he was living today, he'd, we'd probably label him clinically depressed. Just some of the, like, um, younger in, being earlier in his ministry, having this moment where, um, you know, he had this, I think he's speaking before like 10,000 people and somebody, yelled out fire and, and these, it just caused this stampede and, and seven people died and he just never really shook that like he was never really able to shake that in his life and that that kind of went throughout his ministry of just uh being the like these fainting fits and and just this being melancholy and uh despondent that just able to like work through all of those things and still have like he'd work 18 hour days which i don't have any desire to do that but um but just a lover of, of, of his people, lover of his church, love, like a pastor to, to, to his people that, that is just really powerful to me. That's good. Yeah, for me, you know, I love history, so I could just list hundreds of people that I admire. I mean, my short list is probably John and Charles Wesley and their mom, Susanna Wesley. I think she's probably the coolest character in history because she— managed the household her husband was a pastor but ended up going to kids. yeah 14 kids and really like 19 I think five of them died in infancy wow. and then yeah like 14 survived and like their house burnt down her husband was a pastor but had to go to debtor's prison and stuff and she had to yeah. with you know and then just 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 amazing and then the Wesley brothers and it's I especially John obviously is probably one of the most important people in Protestant history and maybe even in church history but Charles Wesley's the hymns that he wrote to to help people get the gospel, I think, and just just kind of how he his life he lived his life. It's it's really just inspired me. Obviously, the Luther. I think there's there's just a lot about Luther to admire. 
there's a lot not to admire, and maybe that's that's the next question. Uh, Amy Carmichael, I read a book. Uh, I read two books. I read like an autobiography about her, and then I just read some of her writings, maybe when I was about 20 or 21. And it just had a huge impact on me, how she went and fought injustice and built the kingdom in a different way. I feel like most of the missionary biographies that I read were more about like how just more grand and kind of painted a picture of this person, you know, was flawless or that they did all this for the kingdom. But her, I feel like her story was she just like loved kids and tried to live to protect children. And she built the kingdom that way. And I've actually been to India and seen how they do children's ministry there still and the effects of how she kind of set the church up for like every church there does mercy and justice ministry. And she's not the only person to do that, but just it's amazing to see how loving and building the kingdom through loving children and, and loving the, actually loving the people you minister to brings the gospel and brings the kingdom and, and brings the transforming power of the gospel. Abraham Lincoln fascinates me. He actually became a Christian during his presidency. He kind of grew up in a Christian home, walked away, came back. I just, just, I just kind of admire him and just, yeah, I would love to. It's hard to know because he, he dies shortly after, you know, the, his second term in office. So just so much to know about him. Martin Luther King, I definitely look up to and, you know, just, just, just see how God used him as a pastor to transform America. Eric Little is the guy that Chariots of Fire is based on, missionary to China. He stayed with the people when the Japanese came in and actually died in China. Just, And then with him, all the thousands, tens of thousands of Chinese Christians that stood firm during that time and really stood through the persecution and saw the kingdom built later. Like they, they withstood years and years of persecution Lately, I've been exploring Frederick Douglass, really cool Christian. I didn't know much about him. Maybe two years ago, I started studying his, his faith and how it impacted the way his humility, but also his boldness for truth. Then there's pastors and prayer warriors and seminary professors and faithful laborers. So I don't like to highlight the main people too much, like the big names, because to be honest, in my life, the people who've had some of the greatest impacts on me are just the lady who prays for me and on the prayer team at my old church when I was a youth pastor. And she still sends me emails to this day, you know. So Julie Turner is one of my people of faith, you know, just just, just kind of, I don't know. So sometimes I feel like if we get caught up in the big names, the Billy Grahams, Billy Graham's awesome. I mean, I have, he has a lot to look at. But I also think those who are in prison, those who just faithfully serve, the seminary professors who train the pastors, the Sunday school teachers, the prayer warriors, the people who do children's ministry. So I've begun to shift my focus to think think through that a lot more, and God's just kind of laid that upon my heart. Yeah, I'll go really quickly. Helen Rosevere is somebody who I think is just um, her story of her passion to go to the Congo and serve and what she's been through and her continued passion to endure suffering for the sake of the gospel. Um, when I was younger, um, my junior year of high school, I discovered John Piper. And then reading John Piper changed my life. John Piper was a huge deal, and then became Tim Keller. So it was like John Piper and that's Tim <laughs> Keller for me. Those are the two pastors and authors that really affected me and changed me. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go your route, Danny, and name two practical people. I'm gonna name my youth minister. Most of you guys who hear my testimony over and over again heard me talk about Leighton Lane Lockett from Lubbock, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leighton is somebody who man, was just a faithful, passionate youth minister who loved the Lord and loved youth, who showed me so much and. Um, was able to live in such a manner that made the gospel uh, attractive and contagious and express the gospel so clearly uh, that I was able to receive it as a junior in high school. Uh, so that was Leighton Lane Lockett. And then Nevin Zimmerman, an attorney, and we, he was a choir director for the youth choir who lived just a faithful, had four daughters, um, just an awesome man of God who said, I'm going to open my home up to a bunch of youth to come do a Bible study and play basketball with me. And he's changed so many lives because of it. So they're just a, just normal people, I would say, who live passionately for the Lord. And so, yeah, those are some of my heroes. It's pretty cool. Eric and I made our notes separately, but she had Julie Turner on her list. Yeah. The same woman who prayed for us and really helped us when we were young in ministry. So we were first uh, married, and Danny had this—I was teaching, and Danny had a job as a youth pastor— 
we were super young, and she had three kids in the youth group, and she would meet with me once a week um, once Maggie was born, and we would stroll Maggie in a stroller and just talk about life and pray, and she would pray for me. And um, it's just such a blessing that I get to do that now with lots of young moms too. So just quiet lives of faithfulness can make such an impact. Yes. Yeah, she didn't go to seminary. She didn't write books. <laughs> she just prayed for lots of people and encouraged many people and whoever God put in her path. Amen. And may we see a lot of those being raised up at Waypoint. Amen. So here's my question. There's a lot of people we can look up to. And some of the people that I actually was going to name Martin Luther King and um, you mentioned Martin Luther and there's others where these are incredible titans. You know, amazing people who've done amazing things. But the reality is we know that even our biggest heroes in the faith all have flaws because we're all human beings. We're all sinners. But lately, as we've seen history come and as we've seen, discovered more and more when it comes to, we can now get to dirt on everybody nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, there was, this internet wasn't existing. TMZ didn't exist. You know, all the celebrities were just celebrities and they were untouchable and we didn't know all the dirt. You, yeah, your textbook generally talked about the positive things. You'd have to literally physically go to a university library or like the downtown library right. to get the uh, the biography or the autobiography that but now that, we know everything yeah. <laughs> we know everything mm-hmm. about everybody especially nowadays and one of the things that we're discovering is even the people we most look up to they're seriously flawed and so what do we do 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 maybe any of your heroes do you have any examples of any of your heroes who have serious flaws and if they do how do you handle that how do you reconcile the the flaws that you hear of some, some of them pretty big to some of these incredible heroes, stories of people who are doing amazing things. Yeah, and this is really common now in America, like because of slavery, because slavery came into the European countries and into the colonies. You know, it's it existed for a couple hundred years, so pretty much it touched almost every Christian. Protestants were and Catholics were involved in Portugal and Spain. The Catholic the Catholic missions and and the slave ships were unfortunately linked. I mean, they weren't. There were Catholic priests and there were Protestant pastors speaking out against slavery. But there's a lot of links to slavery and and the church uh, in America and in Europe. And you know, when you look at someone like a Jonathan Edwards, didn't fully condemn slavery. Maybe I think he even owned he owned one. Uh, I don't think he harshly treated the slave or anything, but just the fact that he owned another person. Uh, so what do you do? Do you not? Do we not let Jonathan Edwards influence anything we do? I mean, Yale called him the greatest mind America's ever produced. You know, they have a Jonathan Edwards center. They, you know, it, he definitely contributed a lot to Christianity as a, as, as a whole. He is, he's one of the people that really helped us think in new, new ways. But at the same time, he he had this blind spot where he didn't condemn something that now in hindsight, we're like, why didn't he do it? Um, talking about Martin Luther, he thought that Jewish people would just be like, after the Reformation, they'd all become Christians because the Catholic Church, in his view, was very oppressive, and they didn't. So then he kind of turned on them. He even turned on common people. He used the power that he got to do things that, looking back in hindsight, we'd be like, wow, that's not how we would do it is that the way of the sermon on the mount you know it's the same guy who writes amazing stuff about the humility of christ and then it seems like his life doesn't line up with that martin luther king uh had adultery has had adulterous affairs you know while the fbi is investigating him i mean he he had a very stressful life but that doesn't he still could have not have done those things billy graham later on looking back said you know he he definitely should have been home more he was not home a lot. He always said yes to ministry opportunities, to meeting with this person or that person at the expense of his children. You know, and then even with Graham, he said some. there's some tapes of him and Nixon and other things where he maybe bought into the lie of the world too much. Like he wanted to relate to everybody so much that sometimes he didn't stand for truth. You know, those are those are just a few examples. There's, there's some blatant sins that we might be like, yeah, we, we've got to be really careful. But again... In 100 years, and 200 years, what what is the sins of our generation? What are, How are we can think about it? So I like to think about it as everyone has blind spots, and God is working through them. If we look at the famous characters of the Bible, the, the heroes, David and Abraham and Moses, they had flaws too. So God works through them. Our ultimate example is Christ. 
So that's that's kind of how I begin to think about this. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that on the one hand, it should teach us that, that none of no no person apart from Christ should should be untouchable to us or, or be like exalted on this high pedestal to, to make us like or we shouldn't be. We shouldn't even, as we're learning about other other people of faith or other other people in, in history, um, that we we shouldn't try to be naive about some of these things. We shouldn't try to um, to read around the narratives so that we we don't or to to overlook the faults of other people. Um, I think one of the things that that we need to to figure out is how do we how do we properly judge them or what even what even is our role in making these kinds of assessments where I've seen some people um, in the Twitter sphere. So of course, you know, the, the healthiest place to, uh, to, to understand some of these things, but some people have, have been able to just, you know, altogether say, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this person's in hell now. Right. You know, like Jonathan Edwards, he's in hell or, you know, like, and, and just to, to like name off people. And, 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 and so, to, to be confronted with, with some of those things and, and just really wrestle, like, why did George Whitfield, uh, why was he such a proponent of slavery in, in Georgia at the time? Like, why did, like, um, and, and how does God work in using such flawed people to do such, um, who, who do, we'd say, it seemingly seem, seems like they do some really great things at, um, to, to advance the king, or to, to uh, minister to uh, lots of people um, but then, you know, what's, the, what's the environment that we're, we're living in kind of like you're, you're talking about Danny, um, what's within our community, what, what, what are some of the blind spots that, that we might have individually, but also corporately also as, as a, as a people, as, as, as Waypoint Church, what, what are our blind spots as, as a church family? Um, or what, what could be, you know, there's, there's definitely, I, I mean, I pray that there are good things that, that the Lord is producing in us as we're, as we're doing this thing called life together in, in, uh, in community, as we're studying the word together, as we're doing ministry together, as we're seeking to reach, um, reach our neighbors together, as we're seeking to advance, to, to preach the gospel to, to the nations. Um, but then there are certain things that I don't, I don't want to determine for myself. Like I'm, I'm not the arbiter of who's in heaven or who's in hell, and I don't, I don't need to be that. I don't need to take on that role. Um, but I think, I think as we're processing, as we're we're relating to these people, I mean, for for some of them, it's like it's helpful to um, to see some of the the, the pitfalls of, of people from the past, or even to learn from how they've dealt with their own cultural environment, their own context. And and how and how does that how, and then relate it back to myself and how am I how am I relating to my my cultural context what are the what are the issues of the day and how how am I processing how am I dealing with what how, how, am I am I standing in line with God's word am I being faithful am I am I allowing other people to to speak into my life to, to so that I can um, and and in, in an effort to submit to God's word and trusting in His Spirit to to be alive and, and at work in me. Um, and in our in our community and and, and so it's just it, it becomes really complicated and, and and not every not every issue of the past is the same not you know like you're talking about slavery you know I think somebody like a Spurgeon he he could be sometimes overly critical like harshly critical of people that he disagreed with and he you know he'd, there'd be public discourse where you know they're publishing letters or, or correspondence with one another as, as a way of dialogue and he could he could be really harsh and and if you read back some of his criticisms of like maybe the catholic church you'd say well, that was maybe ungenerous unkind and, and how you you could have said that in a way that would have been better put or more more considerate of your neighbor whereas some some things need to be spoken out harshly against some things you know so so weighing some of these things is, is complicated um yeah um, yeah, I'm thankful that God is both loving and just, and I'm thankful that he's the judge, so I don't have to be. Um, you know, I feel like my um, my opinion on this, my thoughts on this are still being formed. Um, you know, there's obviously a tension, like there's a danger in lifting someone up too high because we're all flawed humans, you know, and I appreciate biographies that focus on the strengths and weaknesses and the complexities of people and 
like you've already said, people exist in a certain time and history and in a certain culture too. Um, you know, at the same time, um, there's a danger too in just like, you know, canceling everyone out. Like all of their good contributions are no longer valid because of their flaws. You know, maybe there's some flaws that do disqualify people from being used as examples, you know, um, and maybe that line is a little mm. different for each person. I know now this is not a hero of a faith, but just to an example, I used to love to watch the Cosby show and I thought it was so funny. It was so great. And in fact, um, several years ago, Danny, um, got us tickets to see him, Bill Cosby at the Deepak and we went, it was funny. It was clean. It was amazing that he could, you know, tell these stories, have everyone rolling, laughing. And he even told stories about growing up in church and then literally the next week, all of the stuff came out about his scandals and the ways that he had assaulted women and for years used his power to cover it up. And for me, it was just over. I'm like, I can't, I can't watch the Cosby show. It's not funny to me anymore, you know? So, like, I think there are some lines that, mm-hmm. you know, told, but I don't know. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a hard, hard call. And that's a great question because it leads me to a question. As a, and I'm just just a question. This I don't have an answer to this question. But I'm throwing it out there. Do we believe as believers there's certain lines that the spirit is like, whoa, you know, like for example, slavery being one of those lines. Like I have a hard time with somebody who's like a hardcore proponent of slavery. You know what I'm saying? Like who's mm-hmm. like, but I'm a passionate follower of the Lord. I love His Word, and I, you know, I'm like, is the spirit not convicting your heart mm-hmm. of slavery being wrong? You know, who's a serial adulterer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with the serial adulterer being like, well, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, I'm like, no, do you know the Lord then? Does that make sense? I, mm-hmm. I wrestle with that a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of mentality. Now, I get I get that. I struggle with, like, kind of classifying and the level of sin, if you will. You know, we can, we, we can see, for us as human beings, we acknowledge that all, that is hate. Like, there's more heinous sins than others. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear about Billy Graham, when his, his issue was, I wish I spent more time with my kids. Well, I'm like, well, I'm like, come on, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> You're so good. You're so much better than all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, this is a consistent dialogue, I think, with all of us as, as followers of Christ. We can't let... The, the culture can help us process it, and you can watch news reports and things, but the culture shouldn't define how we do this. Like, the, the gospel, the, the word is our guide, so we, we have some tools. We can look at how New Testament authors look at Old Testament flaws. So like, we, we have ways to acknowledge this. We have—no one is perfect except for Christ. And I think one thing that ch- the church actually did wrong, in the American church particularly, that's a church I grew up in— Somewhere between the 20s and the 80s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, into the 80s, is we made people heroes of faith. Like the Sunday school curriculums were like, David, you know, like really honing in on David's the guy, you know, like almost ignoring the the flaws and, and making it like Christianity is kind of a superhero faith. And really the only person in the Bible who's a superhero is Jesus Christ, you know, and the whole thing's kind of showing that we all fall short, like Paul says in Romans. Paul himself calls himself the chief of sinners. Like, the the thing's set up to say that humility is really the way forward, that recognizing, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, with it. We mentioned in the sermon that's basically the New Living translates it as blessed are those who recognize their need for God. Blessed are the meek. This is how Jesus launches his kingdom with those words. And I think any of these folks, when they got a little bit of power, a little bit of credibility, even if they didn't commit sins like a Billy Graham, he didn't commit adultery. It's pretty much documented. But he had sins of pride and arrogance because he had so much power. He tried not to. He tried to be humble. Charles Spurgeon, like Eric brought up, literally every time he would walk up on stage, he would have to say to himself, have mercy on me, I'm a sinful man, because he knew he was about to stand in front of, like, between two and 3,000 people who loved him and literally worshipped every word he said. Like, that was the only thing he could come up with to help humble himself. And to be honest, like you said, Eric, in some of his writings and letters, he still comes across not in Christ-like humility. So Mm -hmm. I 
I, I think all of us just have to say it's, it's okay to quote Martin Luther King in a sermon and it's okay to quote Jonathan Edwards in a sermon. Maybe we're not going to quote Bill Cosby. You know, <laughs> maybe we're not going to quote Robert E. Lee yeah. because of the hurt that those people quoting Robert E. Lee or Bill Cosby right now is going to bring a lot of hurt to people. Maybe Edwards might, you know, maybe not King. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like we, I, I think as Christians, we just have to keep trusting God with this. But God, God will give each generation the ways to identify their own blind spots and to look at the past and, and truly continue on building his kingdom. I think one thing that was really powerful about the about Hamilton, the musical, was that it showed like both the flaws and the triumphs of, you know, the the early founding fathers. I mean, of course Eliza was the true hero mm-hmm. in the in the Always. in the play. Yeah. But yeah, but I think yeah, that kind of got people thinking in a new way about how we look at yeah. heroes of the past. And even America itself. Like mm-hmm. our country was founded by European people literally slaughtering and pushing Native Americans to the next place, you know, like it's hard to grapple. Like some people are like, we shouldn't even celebrate Fourth of July because it's there's so much negative history, you know. So I, so as Christians, we it's good that we're having this dialogue right now. It's good, but we need to let the scriptures and 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 God's word and the Christian community help shape the conversation. One more quick thing too. I think we also have a problem. I think it's okay to admire people, but we really in the church have this history of wanting to put people up on a pedestal. Like as soon mm-hmm. as a athlete or a musician becomes a Christian, then we want to hold them up and be like, look, Bono's a Christian. Like, so yeah. Christians are cool or whatever it is. And then they fall and then not Bono hasn't fallen, but you know what I'm saying? Like they make a mistake and then, you know, we were crushed, you know, instead of lifting Jesus up. And I think that's the big thing. I think something at Waypoint that I always like to tell everybody, that like, there's no hierarchy of Christendom. There's no like, oh, you're a missionary, you're number one. Mm-hmm. Then, oh, you're in the ministry, you're a pastor, you're number two. And then the regular person, you're, you're an elder, you're a deacon, whatever it may be, the kind of like hierarchy, it, just, it doesn't exist. We're all on mission and we're all called. And I think what, what we need to understand as we look up and respect people and look up to certain people is that rather than the people itself, but what are the attributes? What are the characteristics that, that they're exemplifying, that they're showing? What are the ways that they're pointing to Christ that we can start looking for like, oh, that's what I admire. You know, and so that's one of the, what are the, some of those attributes or characteristics that, you look, that you're looking for that, that makes someone a hero to you? I think the number one for me that keeps coming up is just this quiet faithfulness, mm-hmm. just whatever you're called to do. I love that. Yeah, I, Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. and the Fruit of the Spirit. I really think like someone who's trying their best to live out the Beatitudes, someone who's trying to like make the fruit of the spirit primary in their life, you know, it's it's gonna you're gonna fall short. No one can ever do the whole list all the time except for Christ, you know. But the person who their general demeanor, they're striving toward that, and they're humble when they if they do say something, they're willing he or she's willing to to say, hey, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I think that's the beginning of it. You know, the, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. I just love that. That's so biblical. I mean, you just find out, what are we looking for? Sermon on the Mount, Fruit of the Spirit. That's so biblical, yet what? For the church for the longest time, that hasn't been our standard of judgment. How many people can you gather? How mm-hmm. much money can be brought in? Yeah. How, how popular are you? Rather than Sermon on the Mount, Fruit of the Spirit. I wish we could change the, the framing of the way we think and judge you know to look at those two things some of them out through the spirit are you living are you showing those two things like that should be the job description for a pastor right. like, you know what i'm saying yeah. like some of them out through the spirit yeah that's where you start and then everything else yeah how many people you can bring in all that, all that stuff is is secondary because those two things have to be primary yeah i think um if you like I think as somebody like a like a Ray Ortland, I mean one of the, one of the reasons why he's been so impactful to, to to me recently, and and I've only heard about him within the, the past few years, and even like looking into some of the some of these stories of, in, in his in his life of um, serving in these churches that uh, he wasn't well received in, that he you know he's he's got a lot there's a lot of pain and hurt in that, um, but but seeing I think one of the things that really stood out was seeing how he transitioned from his being the the lead pastor of the church that he was 
you know, he just retired from, um, how he really turned and was championing the guy behind him. Like he was celebrating and, you know, just so joyful. So like in, in his, as he's getting older, he's getting, uh, he, he's like seeking to grow in gentleness and humility that he's, um, you know, he's, he's even, even in his aging, as his body is, is waning, he's like, I think my seventies are going to be my best decade yet. You know, like that kind of just joyful spirit that it's just, it's the spirit working in you. Like, like it's attractive, like that kind of, um, that kind of attitude, that kind of, uh, posture. I, I, I didn't think, um, uh, I was talking to, a. a another friend at, at Waypoint who's, um, who had just taken a, a class at, at, in seminary. One of my, we had the same professor different times, but, uh, he was saying, you know, he had this, he, he went and talked to like, um, office hours, which I never did, but, uh, I was doing office hours with, with this professor and, you know, he's just kind of reflecting cause he's, he's older. He's close to probably, probably at retirement age. And he's like, you know, I think, I think you really have to know when to, to walk away so that you don't you don't start saying crazy things or, or just you know going this other direction or feeling feeling like no I'm empowered to say whatever I want like I've kind of earned my 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 keep here I don't know like that that kind of stuff is is really really attractive to me of just having that yeah it, I mean again it comes back to what you guys are saying but I, but I think really really knowing and believing it's it's kind of like what you were talking about the other week Lawrence with um, like knowing who your true authority is and knowing where the foundation of your faith really is to where at, at some point you stop trying to earn it. And at some point you, you, you put your weight onto Jesus. And I feel like those are, those are some of the, the glimpses that we're getting of, of some of these people is they, they've, they've learned to really put their weight on Jesus and say, I trust you. That's good. That's good. For me, what's attractive are those people who kind of exemplify things I struggle with. You know, one of the things that I see is this idea of grit and perseverance through hardship. To me, I look at that, I'm like, wow, I know I struggle with that. I, I, I'm prone to like, if it's not easy, I want to give up. You know, like I want things to be easy and quick because kind of most of my life, I'll just be honest with everyone, things have been kind of quick and easy. You know, I never had to study that hard. I never had to work that hard to do certain things. And when I hear stories of people who were persevered through years and years of toil and struggle, but they kept their faith and they persevered and they kept going and they fought through barrier after barrier. To me, those stories are like, oh, that is so incredible. So those are stories and those are people I really look up to, the ones that I know in my own heart I struggle with. And seeing them saying, yes, they can do it. They did it through Christ, not because they're... Oh, so awesome so that if, if I'm called to do this too then maybe I can do it even though I know I struggle with it even though I know I'm not good at it the spirit will empower me like his spirit empowered them so those are the stories I like to really mm. kind of means a lot to me mm. alright I know it's getting late so I'm getting long here so I'm going to ask for the last final question okay if you could we talk about heroes this whole time today so the most important question is if you could be any superhero who would you be and why our family has been watching a WandaVision, and I love it so much. I think it's such a fun show, so I would definitely be Scarlet Witch. Um, she's really powerful, and she, you know, she has cute famous. outfits all through the decades. You know, <laughs> it's, been, it's been fun, so definitely Scarlet Witch. Uh, I, you know, this is a shame because I, I still don't really have a great answer. As, you know, as, <laughs> the, as the youth pastor, and, and um I, I guess I would lean toward uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark. I mean, that was one of the, you know, I was in high school when, when the Marvel Universe, like this whole thing started. And so I remember watching, I, I enjoyed um, enjoyed the wit of, of Tony Stark. I really liked that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is like the perfect character. I, the wit it, without the womanizing. That would right, he'd be yeah, the yeah. Christian. I mean, he'd be the Christian Tony Stark. I mean, I wouldn't say like, I want to be him exactly, right? But, <laughs> that was um, a joke. I mean, I don't necessarily want to have this this thing in my in, in my in my body. You have the spirit in your chest. So you yeah, yeah. Like the... There you go. Yeah. I mean, he was self-sacrificing, right? Like yeah. in, in Endgame. Yeah. I never saw Endgame, so I don't know if I can game, the, if I can ruin that. Endgame? I never saw it. I don't know if I can ruin a movie like that. But oh, for those who haven't seen Endgame, yeah, everybody's oh, wow. seen Endgame by now. Yeah, okay. if you haven't seen it by now, it just 
That's your fault. Then, then you're, <laughs> the good guys win. Even even I know what happens, and I haven't seen it. So there you go. Have you really not seen Endgame? I may or may not have seen Endgame. <laughs> For me, I, I go back and forth on this. There's a lot of cool ones. Obviously, Superman can fly, but Spider-Man is just just cool. I think he's just a regular old kid from New York, from Brooklyn, and who got bit by a spider, and now he can sling through the city and just kind of eat pizza and hang out and be a high school student. So. I don't know. I think Spider-Man would be cool just because he's got cool powers and he's kind of a common common guy too. So. Yeah. so I always go between Batman and Superman, the two most famous and most popular comics, Marvel hero, or not Marvel, actually, DC heroes. And the reason I choose to go between them is, one, if I want the cool powers, Superman just has all the powers. But if I want to go like non-power route... Batman is like a billionaire, has all the tool, cool gadgets, he's really trained in martial arts, and like he's really, really smart, so I'm like, Batman sounds pretty awesome. But at the same time, I think about it, like being Batman, you have like all this stuff, but you can be just walking down the street and random like gunshot can get you. Superman's like, oh, nothing bothers me. So, I'm going to go with Superman. Last call. Last well, one. Okay. Lawrence really thinks through this. I do. This is gonna, very important. I was going to say, if you could combine their names, you'd either be Superman or Batman. That doesn't work. Is they all in a man? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, super bat. It could be super bat. Uh, I would like to read the the uh, Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, right before you close, Lawrence. But it says, this is the NIV translation, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I just, just want us to, yeah, just reflect on that this week, guys. And I hope you guys got today, more than anything else, that our hero is Jesus. He exemplifies the fruit of the Spirit. He is the Sermon on the Mount. He is the hero that we all look up to because he's a hero we need. He's a hero we were created for. And so we look to him as our ultimate hero. And we thank God that he chose in his goodness to use other people, weak and flawed people, to do incredible things. But it's in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit. So we look to Jesus first and foremost as our biggest hero. Waypoint Church, so glad you guys were able to join us. We love you guys so much. Have a great couple weeks. Have a great week. See you later. See ya.